Thank you. Morning. Wednesday the 18th of April 2007 and you're very welcome. Uh, praise God. Let's have a little prayer before we start, shall we? And see where the Lord will take us, where he's not already taken us. Father, thank you. Awesome God. Majestic Saviour. God of grace and wisdom. Knowledge are yours. Father, thank you that we're not an afterthought. Thank you, Father, that we can rest in the confidence that before you laid the foundation of the earth, the Lamb was slain and that we were part of the plan for eternity. It's awesome, Father. Help us un to understand, Father, what a great privilege and responsibility we have as your people, the sheep of your pastor, pasture, your children, Father, and the members of your kingdom that is coming. Father, just what a future lies ahead of us. What a vision filled my eyes, one like the Son of Man. Lord, would you just take, uh, take us where you want to go this morning. We just don't care, really. We just want to be abandoned to you and to your purposes, Father. So, let a spirit of abandonment come on us, Father. So blow it. Uh, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, here we are then. don't quite know where to go except that I'm very very aware there's lots of circumstances in the body of Christ uh, things that people you don't understand um, what it's all about uh, and you're trying hard to keep a grip of things and losing it uh, and seemingly prayers are hitting the ceiling and dropping on the floor and not understanding what God is doing really in this day and, and I think that the CD there all I need is probably uh, what he's impressing on our hearts is that he is all we need uh, and unbelief is a choice you know you just choose you can choose not to believe but you choose to believe it's a total cold-blooded choice but if you listen to the enemy what he'll say to you is the same thing as he's ever said did God really say can't trust him you know just keep a little bit in reserve have your own way of getting your knees met just have your pension or whatever it is at the back there just you know keep a little bit there so that you're not completely letting go and going over the tightrope reminds me of that story of the man who were uh, Niagara Falls tightrope don't ask me how they got the tightrope across there <laughs> in the first place must have fired a harpoon I should think tightrope is about to go across on a unicycle uh, no, not a unicycle, a bicycle, that's right. It wasn't a unicycle because uh, the, the man on the edge, crowd there watching him and saying, yeah, we know you, we believe you can do it. We believe you can do it. So the guy that's going across said, do you want to sit on the handlebars then? That'll prove it. <laughs> and it's a bit like that, isn't it? We stand on one side of the tightrope looking at Niagara Falls and saying, yeah, no, we, we believe you can do it. We'll get on the handlebars then prove it and it isn't until you're on the handlebars that you recognize that he can do it 
because you'll never know that you can do it until you get up there. It's, uh, this step of faith has got to be taken. I'm going to trust you. And when you step out, you find you're not walking on water, but on concrete. It's solid as a rock. I thought my foot slipped. Um, I, uh, I can't remember where I say, Here I go again. You see another Bible upstairs. Get myself in a terrible muddle when I start looking at another one. I was looking this morning, and I can't remember where it is. The Lord is my portion. Uh, it's somewhere that it's in a couple of Psalms. But this one... Psalm 73 because I love the end of it whom have I in heaven but you and I have no delight or desire on earth besides you my flesh and my heart may fail but God is the rock and firm strength of my heart and my portion forever and verse 28 it's good for me to draw near to God I've put my trust in the Lord God and made him my refuge that I may tell of all your works you know you can't tell of his works till you put your trust in him because it's just book learning up until then and your testimony is not how you got saved that's your history but your testimony is what he's doing in your life right now so you should have an ongoing testimony let me tell you what he's done for me this week let me tell you how he delivered me from this let me tell you how he kept me through this it's a friend of ours she's going through something we don't know what it is Ruth in Torquay uh, rang me up a week or so ago suicidal 20 past nine in the morning she knew what she wanted to do but she hadn't got the courage to do it so we talked about this for a little while uh, and needless to say she changed her mind but she's depressed and she's i spoke to her about three or four days later and the the words that ring round in my mind are one thing i do know is with me in it now the reason he may be allowing that is simply so that she will know that he's with her in it. Because if whatever you're in you don't realise he's with you in it, then he's going to have to keep taking you around it till you realise every circumstance is in it. So your first recourse is to ask him, what does this mean? Is this the enemy? Is this you? Am I reaping what I've You know, the usual run of questions. says in verse 2 of Psalm 73 I'm right off my page again but as for me my feet were almost gone my slips slips <laughs> steps had well nigh slipped as me false teeth uh, some of you are feeling that your feet are slipping but let me tell you that nothing can come at you except he allows it if he's allowing it, he's allowing it for a purpose. Uh, I'll tell you one that he allowed over the weekend so you can understand. Those of you who know me know I've had this lovely bridge fitted, four teeth. Three of them are mine and there was a gap and they drilled that one, drilled that one, drilled that one so that they could stick this nice bridge from front to back. We were due to go to Berkshire on Sunday for a meeting of Mount Moriah but I just sensed that we weren't going to go but I didn't know why well I woke up on Sunday morning with all the signs of an abscess underneath the bridge which is just what you want isn't it? Uh, my face was swollen mouth was in a different shape 
I've had two abscesses under one of those teeth before, so I knew exactly what it felt like. My first reaction was, panic! <laughs> I bet that went off the scale, didn't it, June? Uh, I, I, I was just so frightened, because I thought, I've got two teeth that look like jaws, you know, little pointed jobbies, three of those, and a gap. And how's he going to get in there? And all this, oh, added to wish he was on holiday. <laughs> so that helped, and it was a Sunday. So I scattered down the stairs about 20 past seven and said to Joyce, I've got a problem and I need prayer. So she prayed for me immediately, and instantly it began to feel better. Um, and we don't really know the sequence of events subsequent to that, because Joyce, God spoke to her, he spoke to me about it. One of the things he said was, you're not going anywhere today. So that was that, and that wasn't going to the uh, thing at all. But I was in a personal battle then, um, because what was revealed was that this was a spiritual thing, and that there was an opening for the enemy to attack me. Uh, so I, I had to stand in this thing and say, no, I'm not having it. Because for a few days, it had been getting sore on my gum line there, and I thought I'd poked it with a toothbrush, you know you do. But it was not, not that at all. Uh, and by the time I recognised, as I say, what it was, it was pro it was it was a real, you know, poison thing going on there. It wasn't pretend. The enemy can inflict you with sickness. He can inflict you with anything. Uh, on God's allowance, because He wants to teach you something. So whatever you're up against right now, the correct thing is to come to Him and say, "What's happening here, Father?" As I was talking to Anne last night, um, what's your perspective on this? And then how do I position myself and how do I pray? I mean, I have to say over the last few days, the enemy's still been coming back and making it feel sore and giving all the same things as was before. And I'm saying, I'm not having that because I know there's nothing wrong with those teeth. Nothing. Because God has said to me, that's your bridge, you got it, that's the end of your major dental work. So I ain't having major dental work, am I? But who's going to contest what God's just given me? And so all the while in our lives there is this contesting for the ground that God wants to give us. He wants us to come into freedom, total freedom. Not just the all right, but the real good news. Not the all right news, but the good news, the real good news. And to do that, we, a part of it is we need to recognize that we are not the same person we were before we were born again. No matter how young you were when you were born again, we incubate Jesus within us, every one of us. Every one of us is carrying him like Mary did, but in a different way. In spirit form, we have the spirit of Jesus within. So that needs to be nurtured. But guess what happens if we nurture the old one? which the enemy will have us doing, living in the old Adam. Same old reactions, same old feelings, and if we go on our feelings, we're going to be down the pan most of the time, if I can use the expression. Didn't know I was going here. But we have to sometime come to a place where we say, I've had enough of this. And you rise up on the inside and you say, I am not having that. This is not what Jesus died for me to have. This is not my inheritance. I'm having what Jesus died for me to have. One of my crafted prayers is that 
I want to come into everything that he died to give me. And he didn't die so as we'd hang on here till we got to heaven and <sighs> made it. We're in a new season in God. He's doing a new thing. And the new thing is that we are coming out of death into life and out of bondage into freedom. He's done it. But we actually, just like the Israelites, when they got into Canaan's land, all the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, who were incidentally all sprung from Canaan, who uh, Noah cursed, all those ites sprung from the same stock. So we, if you like, that's Canaan is our old man. And we've got to put these things to death. But there has to be a determination, and you know you will has got no feeling at all. If there's biscuits on the table and I say I will not have one, my will feels nothing. My flesh might squeal like mad, but my will actually feels nothing. It just does what I'm telling it to do. You have that choice. We didn't have it before we were born again. And most believers don't know that you stepped from being not able to make a choice because I couldn't make a choice. I just was how I was, you know? So I got into everything that would actually feed my flesh. Everything I wanted, I had to the extent that I could afford it. And if I didn't have it, I'd try to get it. Um, won't go there. But when I was born again, I recognised suddenly I, I, I can choose. I don't actually have to have that. I, I can choose for the Lord. And guess what happens then? Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is your portion. So then comes the other battle. Then Satan's going to, allowed to, shake you, contest every bit of the ground. And again, those of you who know, I was nearly alcoholic when I was saved, went dry as a bone overnight. Ten years later, I started drinking again. He didn't mind, he'll wait his time. Because he's after getting back the ground that you've won. And sometimes we get so exhausted with the battle, we just let him have it. Because we haven't grasped what's going on and the power of God within us to resist all this. Because you've actually got to line up with the Holy Spirit and line up with his will for your life. You get behind that, he's there first. God is there between you and the problem. But if you're slightly out of alignment, God's here and you're facing your problem head on. Um, example of choice. Friday night, you, you know we've been promised this new car and we knew that God wanted us to have it and we got this Astra Star Silver lined up, automatic, all the beers, air conditioning, yeah, lovely stuff. June rang us on Friday when she'd rung the man to say, okay, for collect for it to be collected tomorrow. And the man said, no, not till it's paid for. They said, I paid for it last Saturday. Oh, well, the check's gone missing. Well, not my problem. But still they would not because company policy released the car. So Ju June sort of negotiated on and off all day Friday, I think, if I'm right there. And come Friday night, about 20 past six, we got, don't let me forget, uh, we've got Martin and Janice Richards here. You know, the guy's going to play the saxophone, the prophetic people here. And um, phone rang 20 past six. 
and it's June saying they haven't got the car tax because they forgot it. <laughs> the car's not coming tomorrow, definitely. And they want another check. And I said, give us a telephone number. <laughs> At that point, poor June, she said she'd never heard me like it before. I'm not proud of it. I went back to razor blade mode. Sue will know that one. I thought, right, that's it. Deal's off. They've lost the check. They've let me down. Deal's off. That's it. Finished. Benito. Finito. Done. 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 I'm going to say this, this and this, Lord. Silence from the Lord. So while I'm dialing out the number there of this guy's mobile phone, I just submitted myself to God because I thought, Lord, I need your words in this, not mine. And this little bag of jelly comes on the other end of the phone and I identified who I was. And, and he, need, he, he was just falling over himself. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never had anything like it in 20 years of my... Da, 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 da. I thought, you poor little dab. So I said to him, just hang on a minute. I said, I'm just ringing you to see if we can talk through a way out of this. I thought, am I? <laughs> I thought I was ringing you to have your jugular, but still there we are. <laughs> and so I found myself saying, look, I've got to get two trustees signatures on a stop for the check, but I'll try and do that tomorrow. And then I'll get that stopped on Monday and I'll raise another check for you because one of my trustees is in Greece and the other one's going to Malta on Monday. So I've got to do a bit of fleet footwork here to get two of them together to sign but I'll do my best to get it raised. And um, as we talked on, I said to him, how do you feel now? Oh, much better now. Oh, I feel much, Oh, I feel so much better now. I said, well, that's good, that's good then. Well, I'll try and do that. Put the phone down, realised I hadn't organised. He said, It'll, you, you know, you can have the car on Monday. I hadn't organised for, because he, he got to the tax office just as the, the doors were closing as well, so he couldn't tax the car, and he, he must have had a terrible day. Um, I rang him on Saturday morning and I said I forgot to arrange what time you're going to bring the car down so we arranged between two and a half past for yesterday and I said how do you feel today oh much better for your phone call I thought Lord thank you I said to you well I couldn't go for your jugular I said though I wanted to I'm a Christian you see so I couldn't go that way <laughs> got that bit in and then yesterday I think I spoke to him again didn't I was it yesterday or was it Saturday? It was Saturday, probably, arranging for the thing. He said, I could kiss you. He said, but you don't know what I look like. I said, you don't know what I look like either, darling. I'm probably old enough to be your grandmother. And, and of course, that, that made him laugh. And, of course, then when they did deliver the car, there's this bunch of flowers in the back that the boys nearly forgot, didn't they? Oh, and by the way, they said, and went to the car and brought them out because he'd, he'd forgotten them. They were in the back. But how differently it could have gone if I hadn't actually submitted to God, made the choice. Because I knew it was my old Adam rising up there. You've always got a choice. Nobody makes you angry. You make yourself angry. That's another one. Oh, you make me angry. No, no. I make me angry. Because I'm choosing. You know. But anyway. I don't know where that's taken us this morning, but whatever is in your life right now, it's actually there by design. Because God is trying to draw you into a deeper place in himself. So running hither and yon, looking to other solutions, is only going to cause him to increase the pressure 
as he said through that prophetic word that I brought, I think he was saying something along the lines of stop now because I'm going to bring you face to face with myself. I'm not going to let you go, beloved. You can't get away from me. Settle it. I love you with a passion. And I'm not thinking, oh, well, that's sad. They just decided to run off. I'm after my sheep. If, he, if you are putting yourself in a position of danger, he will come and get you. Because that's what the shepherd's about. There were 90 and 9 safely laid. And he went out after the one that had strayed, didn't he? He would always go out after the one that strayed. The ones that are safely in the pen are safely in the pen. That's okay. But the ones that are trickling off out the side, like that sheep we used to have, that stone sheep that's looking around with that expression on its face saying, who, me? <laughs> Where do you think you're going, me? I'm me, am I going anywhere? <laughs> you could see he was making off where he shouldn't have gone. I don't know what's happened to that one. Anyway, there we are. Um, but it's because of his love for you that he will pursue you. Um, and he will conquer you because he loves you. What's that? Uh, there's a Wesley hymn about the, uh, the Jacob's wrestling with the angel. And he says, tell me your name. Uh, tell me who you are. Tell me who you are. And, and in about the fifth verse, it says, "'Tis love, tis love. I know your name is love." And it's him, it's wrestling. And there comes the realization, it, it wrestle away, but I would say, if you've got any choice in it, don't wrestle, because you, he will bring you the easiest way you will come. You determine how easily and how swiftly you move in the Christian walk. The more we, we hold back, uh, uh, run hither and yon, fill our lives with busyness, never sit down. He's just waiting for the next circuit and he'll grab you on that one. <laughs> he won't let you go. Oh, love that will not let me go. And then you come to learn the steadfastness of his love. It won't let you go. I think in Psalm 50 it says, you thought that I was altogether such an one as you. And I think to myself, that's really putting it in the, in the thing of me, Bob. Where is it, Father? There we are. Psalm 50, verse 21. All these things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was once entirely like you. <laughs> but now I will reprove you and put the charge or in order before your eyes. It's, it's um, different in this one. This is the Amplified. But it says in the King James, it says, You thought I was altogether such a one as you. And sometimes we do, you know. We put man's mind on God. And there's almost something in us like naughty children that thinks, I wonder how far I can go. <laughs> I know I was like that before I was saved, and I absolutely know it, that I was running free and desperate for my husband to say, that's far enough. I'm your husband, you're not doing that, you're not going out tonight, 
I know where you're going. You're not going there. In Right inside me, I was desperate for him to say no. But he didn't. It took God to do that. <laughs> it, like he stood in my way like uh, Balaam's ass and the angel with the drawn sword in, in, in his hand and said, thus far and no further. Come in number five, your time's up. And he, he called me in. But I knew in my Noah that he wouldn't let me run. He'd stop me. And in that, like children, there's security. Do you know they did that thing with, with children, didn't they? Um, in, in a small uh, suburban playground, big high walls, uh, you know, not walls. I was nearly going to refer to a school that was when I was a kid in Eltham. Um, at, at that, this chicken wire stuff up the sides, really high, you know, so if you kick the balls it didn't go over, but very small area of tarmac to play in, and they'd go into every corner of the tarmac, they would, you know, fill it up, go right out. Then they put the same children in a big field, and they all gathered together in the middle, because there was no security for them, there was no boundary fence for them, and we are just the same. If there's no boundary fence for us, we gather together trying to meet our own needs and God says you know I am your boundary fence I won't let you go there is this nervousness within us to let ourselves go to him because of the <coughs> excuse me, the original lie in the garden did God really say and of course the other thing is with that boundary issue is that we actually have a boundaryless generation. Uh, I'm, d I'm dealing with the fruits of uh, the flower power, uh, the drug culture, the parents that brought the children up. They weren't there. They had no boundaries themselves, and so the children are boundaryless. And it shows up in all sorts of different ways. Um, and now again, of course, we've got a generation that's coming along now, which is it, which is quite scary because it's anarchy rules okay everybody does as they think fit but that's a, that's another issue but the fact is that God won't let you go on he will draw a line he will draw a boundary that's far you go and no further if he drew it for the waves of the sea he's surely going to draw it for the people that are his own inheritance because even as he is our inheritance we are his hello inheritance I mean, you look at yourself and you think, well, I don't think he's getting much, but he looks at you and says, I am. They will be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I make up my jewels. It says in Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. Oh, anyway, well, um, take a two-minute break then and maybe we'll get into Psalms 133 and 134. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, I, pr I asked this morning, I asked the Lord that um, he would start to teach me because hopefully when we finish these psalms, of the, which this 133 and 134 are the last two, we'll go into having a look and a study of what it means about fellowships, what God really intended for a group of, of Christians together to be. Um, and I asked him this morning if he would show me what it is how he wants leadership to be. 
because he has put governmental principles in the church we can't get away from that there is a hierarchy God is a God of order and structure and authority obey the authorities we we'll come into that at some stage too about keeping the law of the land with regard to things like the speed limit those things are put there because they are put there by God so we as Christians must obey it otherwise we're being a bad example can't bear the name of Christ and do things like that but that's another issue altogether he's put governmental things in the body but not as he said to uh, Peter and that not to lord it over the flock they're not there to lord it they're there to model something of Jesus and I'm asking him I was asking him this morning that he would begin to show me and of course to m that's why when that word came about <clears throat> I'm putting shepherds into the flock that are the, of, of my heart I'm thinking is this me because I just had this conversation with the Lord you know and I'm not expecting a word coming across like that um, because as Graham Cook says any fool can see what's wrong it's finding out what's right that is important so we don't need to go picking holes we need to find out how to do it properly um, and, and so I, I just said Lord Jesus must have been the the archetype or the real you know one to follow what was he like with his disciples and then I thought of Paul uh, and then I thought of David the shepherd David but you know it's essentially it's a shepherding job because all the patriarchs were shepherds you know Abraham, Isaac and Jacob anyway there we are so it's all about I've got and look after sheep for 80 years on the backside of a desert somewhere that might help me out mightn't it <coughs> he will show me what it's like so we're going to do hopefully fellowships and then we shall find out what it's all right what it's all about so I'll try now to uh, do a quick whiz and get through this bit so just to recap what we were looking at last week um, this is the last one uh, last two in the Psalms of Ascent and we saw from Psalm 84 5 that um, we need to set our hearts on pilgrimage again that's just a decision um, and it says in Psalm 84 5 blessed are those who have highways in their hearts or literally in whose heart there is a highway um, and this whole series was about coming up higher into the presence of God uh, and becoming conformed to the image of Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to to do that work in us and that we would mature so that God can give us his checkbook and that's what we really really want we want to make a difference in the world around <coughs> so Psalm 120 the beginning place we saw that we needed a deep desire to be close to God and that pilgrimage wasn't always easy um, in fact it's jolly hard and it contains many hardships but that God responds to our faithfulness um, if we also saw that we had to make a decision to leave the edge of the Christian experience and go into the experience and the very presence of God and we saw too that in, in that psalm if we were going to make that progress we had to learn to control our tongues and guard our speech uh, to use our tongue to praise God and build others to witness to the truth uh, in word as well as in deed because we can say it but we can talk it but we don't walk it some of the time 
actually what happened with my tooth um, was something very interesting I can tell you now, I could have told you earlier because Joyce knows I probably will she's having trouble with her teeth now and in her heart she never spoke it out, she never said a word she envied me my teeth a spirit of jealousy or envy will release the enemy to bring damage to the person whom you envy I started to get damage because of what Joyce was thinking about my teeth. I'd been thanking the Lord for my teeth and I'm thinking you got too grateful. The enemy spotted you getting grateful and he thought I'd take a pot shot at her teeth. But the lesson that we learnt from that was that even if it's not articulated, the power of thoughts, never mind the power of words, but the power of thoughts that the power of our, what we think in the core of our being we will live as a man thinks in his heart so is he so whatever you think we will live out it's not what we've got up here in our intellect that drives us and causes us to be who we are it's what our core beliefs are it's in the very core of our being where our belief system is I do believe I don't believe and of course Israel's problem wasn't it wasn't it was unbelief they could not enter into the rest that God had for them because of unbelief so we don't want to be like that do we there is there remains therefore a rest a Sabbath rest for the children of God we want that don't we I do yes dear go on then No. You, uh, the question is that how can you protect yourself from a negative effect? Uh, the way that that is done is by other people honouring you. Because you get like um, a cloak of honour. Uh, this is this guy Arthur Burke. He, he b began to, he was getting attacked and he thought it was the normal Christian life. And then God showed him about this that there were two lines of people, some who envied him and some who were for him. And the ones that are envying him were undoing the good of the ones that were for him. Uh, and he told the story of some people who were going to Israel. The one company of people were chosen to go to Israel to do a certain thing. I think three out of four of the men had heart attacks before they even got there. One had bypass surgery, a tremendous amount of sickness, real life-threatening illness. And he phoned his grade A intercessor and asked her if she got a word from the Lord on it. And she said that she felt that she no, she asked him a question. She said, Are there were there any other groups that thought they should have been chosen to do this thing? And he said, Oh yeah, about eleven of them. And this group got she said, Well, that's the problem. In amongst those eleven groups there's jealousy. And it's released a spirit of jealousy. So he thought, brilliant, revelation, lovely, I can see it, that's it. So he trundles on and it's still the same. So he said to the Lord, um, you know, I'm not seeming to be able to be like Teflon coated. And God said to him, what you need now is for your people who do support you to give you a shield of honour. To declare that you have an anointing, that they recognise your anointing, that they're behind you 
that they support you, that they're praying for you. Do you see? It has the ribs. And from that day, he's not had any further trouble because that has actually covered him like a Teflon coating. It is unlikely, probably, that if you're not in a ministry, that the jealousy of other people will affect you in the same way. It's people in ministry that are the target for this because they're spearheading and because the enemy wants to knock out the one who's leading other people. So it's not, it doesn't, he doesn't get so many to, to the pound if he knocks out the ones who are being taught. But if he can knock out the leaders, then he can scatter the sheep. So he'd be going for that. Uh, That, well, actually, it's you honouring those in authority over you. Yeah, the, the major thing is that you honour those who are in authority over you. Because they are the ones that are, are leading the sheep. They're the ones that are most likely to be attacked. As I just said, I think it's unlikely that you would be being attacked by a spirit of jealousy. Because you're not in ministry. You're not in a ministry that is looking after sheep it's not the rank and file so much as the leaders that will be the ones that will be and he gave the example of um, uh, pastors up there at the front there and there's and the, the pastor's wife sitting in the congregation and there's several other women there looking at the pastor and thinking my must be lovely to be married to a man like that he's so godly now they're not saying anything against the wife they're just saying he must be so godly, so lovely to be with, pray with him all the time, he's all absolutely, you know, God's gift and all this and that. They're actually releasing a spirit of jealousy because they are envious of the pastor's wife. It's as subtle as that. And that will release something at him and her. It's leadership. It's a leadership issue. It's not so much a sheep issue as the, as the shepherds of the sheep. That, that need the Teflon coating. And added to which, you see, Joyce is my armour bearer. So the relationship is very close. Lovely big hole blown in my cover. I get the... That's fine. How do I respond? You see, he's always, God is always looking at our hearts. He's not looking at the other guy. So my Joyce said, I, I've got to ask your forgiveness. That's what was told me. You know, I've got to confess this and ask your forgiveness. This is what, then she was able to pray for me. This is all what came out on Sunday morning. This is why we didn't go to Berkshire. It was much more important that we learned this spiritual lesson. God's always teaching us something. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, I thought, I've, better speak it out because it needs it's just needful that I just said I forgive you darling that's okay you know but I could have reacted quite differently choice again I could have thought flipping it thanks very much whose heart's being shown up there <laughs> always it's us Yes, that's right. Always our protection is by making the right choice to bless and not curse. 
bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you. So you pray for those that are against you. You pray for those that are, are actually being you know, a nuisance to you right now. Because actually God is testing our hearts. Are we, are we growing up or are we childish? And if we've not grown in this, it, guess what? It'll come round again and you suddenly think, I've been to this place before I recognised all the signposts. I've been here. And if we haven't got the oomph to make the choice, we've then got to just say, Holy Spirit, you've got to do this because I haven't got the strength to do it. Make me willing to be willing, as St. Teresa of Avila. I've got a prayer in there that I use sometimes. I don't even know if I'm willing, but make me willing to be willing. Because at the end of the day, we've got to be willing to be willing or we won't move. And God is going to shift us, even if he has to stick dynamite underneath us, really. Because he loves us. He's going to present us a glorious bride. Graham said he does not think that the church is going to be raptured as, as a acne-ridden old hag, as he puts it. But by the time that Jesus comes for us, she will be so glorious that the rest of the world will be glad to see the back of her because he's been causing them so much trouble. I want to be causing the enemy trouble. That's called payback, but we've got a long way to go before we start looking at payback. This is only Lent. This attack on my face, payback, God will give me payback. See, the enemy means it for harm. God means it for good. And one day he'll say to me, go get him. And I will have great delight. But I won't go until he tells me to go. And it will probably be in the life of someone else that I'll go get him. But dilly-dally-shilly-shally, got to stop for our own sakes. The enemy will get you to dilly-dally-shilly-shally. And, and you think that it's you, but it isn't. He has got a vested interest in keeping you where you are. Because just a chance that you might do him some severe damage if you ever get to move out of the place you are in. So he has got a real vested interest in sending his little hordes to keep you where you are. No, you don't want to move out your comfort zone. No, no, too much blooming trouble. You stay where you are. No, don't get involved in that. Mm -hmm. All those little voices that's, that give you the don't go. All the ones that give you the come on are the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He'll do anything. And he will go. If You need to know yourself. You need to know where your own weakness is. Because in the body of Christ, what we've got to learn to do is to cover each other's weaknesses. I don't need someone to cover my strengths. I'm all right there, thank you. It's where I'm weak. I need someone covering me. It's like a marriage. You know, I can't put this thing down. But if you put your fingers like that, that's how a marriage should be. That you keep, you actually fill the other half's weaknesses. So that together you make strong. 
invincible. It's an in-house job. We'll sort it out ourselves. Thanks very much. Don't need somebody else from outside to help us with this one. Because the enemy will be just having a field day. It's worth getting before God and saying, Okay, Father, just let me see things from your perspective, please. I mean, when I, when I spoke to that guy on Friday, I was seeing from God's perspective. He, I don't remember I was speaking to someone the other day and they said when they first got born again, they just loved everybody. Their heart melted for everybody in the street. And of course that was God's love for them. But of course that soon closed up because guess what happened to the, your old Adam moves over and says that's enough of that. I'm getting back in control. Thanks very much. I had enough of that. We should be looking into these things in the summer school. I'm not going to do this, am I? today we'll be looking into these things in the summer school how we got a plan of campaign against ourselves god showed me once um, a line down the middle of the room and i'm looking at this thing and it's said to me on one side is what you want to do and on the other side is my will and i want you stepping over that line and siding with yourself against yourself sorry <laughs> siding against yourself so you choose and align yourself with the Holy Spirit. You're immediately against your old nature. And you're saying, you ain't going to win, mate. You're dead as a dodo. I'm going to do a fandango in your coffin now. Shut up. Has to be a choice. I remember doing that. I had this picture of myself standing on this coffin, dancing a fandango, and this thing inside's trying to get up. And I'm saying, no, you don't. You're dead. Lay down. It still tries to raise its ugly head. It's a fight. Anybody who thinks that Christianity is for wimps ain't been in it. They've been in religion. And they've gone to service on Sunday. What's Bob Mumford say? Stand up, sit down. Dear little Christian. Nice little Christian. No one's going to domesticate me, he says. <laughs> oh, just, just think for a moment that the very spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is inside you. The dunamos, resurrection power, the dynamite power, that's that word, it's dunamos. It's the word we get our dynamite from, is within us. How do we release that? Not so, like a controlled explosion. <laughs> We don't want an explosion so as everybody gets blasted out of the water. Like that time when, uh, oh, that was funny. No, all right then. Um, so we want a controlled explosion, don't we? We want this dunamis power of God to be released where he wants it. We want to be channels only, blessed master. Because we're actually here to be salt and light. We're here to actually bring salt and light in our communities. We're here to show a different way of living. We're here to show we are aliens and strangers in this world so that the world out there is actually attracted to what we've got. And they think, what is it about you? You don't react like other people do. What is it? What have you got? I remember I probably told you before, Roger Price sitting having a cup of coffee in a tea shop one day, cup of tea, whatever. Sitting there, minding his own business. And this man at the other table kept looking at him and Roger just nod and smile. 
this kept on going on until eventually the man got up and came and sat next to him and he said, what is it about you? What is it that you've got coming out of you? What is it? So he told him. But see, if the enemy can get us, and God does use the enemy, but be so sure that God uses the enemy. He cannot do a thing except God allows it. So you've got to get God's perspective when you think you're being attacked by the enemy or you've inadvertently put your head over the parapet. You've got to find out who's doing what to whom and why. Why is this being allowed, Father? How do I position myself? How do I pray? As we as I started off saying, Anne and I were looking at this l last night, perspective changes your position, changes your petition. Because if I'm over here pleading with God, get me out of this, get me out of this, and he's put me in it, unless I know from the perspective that that's what he's done, which moves where I am standing, I'm thinking, right, okay, you've done this because you want to teach me something. Yes, nodding dog. Yes, yes. Okay, is it a keeper or a deliverer, Father? How do I pray? It'll be either. It'll be a keeper or a deliverer. He will, uh, he'll do one or the other. He will either get you out of it or he'll keep you through it. I'll finish with this. Graham Cook tells a story on one of the t old tapes I was listening to. He was ministering abroad somewhere. As soon as he got off the plane, he got a mouthful of ulcers. Uh, as he went to go to his hotel, he began to feel so ill. He was throwing up all the time, couldn't keep water down. Father, heal me. No. Oh, Father, heal me. No. Now, some weeks before he'd gone on this trip, the Lord had said, get your notebook, Graham, I want to talk to you. So he got his notebook, and six hours later he finished writing what God had given him. And it went like this. Lady in the third row, pink cardigan, prophetic word. Man in the back row, you just bought a new jacket, prophetic word. So he wrote all these things down. Six hours it took him to write them down. Didn't know what they were for, just wrote them down. Now he's on this trip, feeling like sick as a pig. And he's come to the last night. He's somehow managed to get through all the nights. It's the last night. Everybody's expecting a prophetic word. He's feeling like death, abundant death. Leaning over the pulpit. He's pleaded with God to heal him. And God said, nope. Don't do it. Do you love me, Graham? That's what he said. And he said, you always know when God asks you, do you love me? That he's up for something. You know I do, Lord. And just go and do your best, Graham. So he pulls himself out of bed, gets there, delivers the word somehow. And he's thinking, these people want... The father said to him, you've got your notebook. So for the next two hours, he can't even see the audience. He's feeling so ill. Lady in the third row, pink cardigan, reads out there. Man in the back row, just bought a new jacket, reads out the thing. When he comes right to the end of it, last one is finished, God... He's suddenly healed from all of it. God says to him, wasn't that fun? <laughs> and he said, only if you're a sadist. <laughs> he kept him through it. You see, we want comfort. 
Yeah, okay, I'll just finish off because otherwise they won't hear it on the doodah unless I give you the what's it. Shall I give you the what's it? Would you like the what's it? Would you want it on the thing of me? Come on then, then. Okay, it's good night from me and good night from him then, isn't it? Yes, that's right. We've got to find out who's doing what to whom. Yeah. On um, uh, when did it start? Thursday night. I got this excruciating pain in my side, as if someone had punched me in the kidneys. And I mean, it was so bad, I didn't know what, what where to put myself. So um, anyway, I took painkillers, went to bed, managed to sleep through by the you know by his grace. It had to be. Woke up in the morning, still pretty bad, and. Um, but I'd promised my mum I'd go and see her, having not seen her for over three months, so I thought, I've got to go. And um, I was in the shower, and I just started to sob because the pain was so painful. Um, and just I just didn't know what to do with myself. And um, on top of everything else that's going on at home, I thought, Lord, you know, this is the last thing I need, <laughs> you know. And um, But I sobbed for about a minute, and then I just suddenly stopped thought of Job instantly, it had to be the Holy Spirit, and I just said, you know what, Lord, no matter what, I'm just not going to let this rule me, I'm not going to let this get me down, and I'm just going to praise you, I'm just going to keep praising you through this, and so I went to my mum's and cut a really long story short, by the evening the pain had lessened enough where I was able to do all the things I had to do, because I had to drive Sam to Clapham and all sorts of stuff, um, got back home, still in pain, but not as bad, went to bed, took more painkillers, got up in the morning, and I thought, oh, well, everyone's going today, so I'm going to go back to bed and just, you know, rest it, like the doctor had told me, because I did actually ring the doctor the morning before. And um, I got up, and I just started, like, I was thinking, you know, like, I was sort of talking to the Lord the way I do, we were kind of just together, like, walking around the kitchen like I do. Started doing the housework, and after about 10 minutes or half an hour, something like that, I suddenly realised the pain had completely gone. And I just knew it was because I made a choice not to let it rule my life. And it was just amazing. But it was very, very real, you know, like you said about, you know. Um, but I knew, I also knew instantly that if I'd have decided to go back to bed and nurse it, it would have stayed. So that was it with me. Get grown up with ourselves, haven't we? Yes. yes.